Hey guys, Jack here. Sorry we're a few days late. Uh, I'm heading out of Florida today. Had an excellent time here. Got to meet up with some Just Hands listeners, some former Just Hands guests. Uh, made one deepish run, finished 12th in the $1,100 WPT Deep Stacks event. So all in all, a great trip. And again, sorry for the late release date. Uh, we'll have another episode for you on our regular Tuesday. And we'll have announcements for you guys then. All right, thank you guys so much for listening and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, Zach. Hey there. What's going on, man? Enjoying my new my new home. It feels good to have one in this sunny, awesome, awesome place here in California. Yeah, I'm jealous. That's fantastic. It's still cold out here in New York, like 45. Could worse. Could certainly be better. Uh, but yeah, I'm headed to Florida in about a week and a half to play some WPT events. And yeah, generally... I'm trying to get some more tournament play in my life and on the podcast in advance of the World Series. I had an interesting opportunity to play a WSOP circuit event at Planet Hollywood in Vegas. Uh, my flight was canceled coming back to New York, and so I was stuck in Vegas for a few days. And lo and behold, there was a 580 event that timed out pretty perfectly. And I've got an interesting hand from the late stages uh, that you might enjoy. Sure, let's hear it. Yeah, so this happened towards the end of day one. It was a $580 re-entry, single re-entry tournament. There were a total of, I think, like 185 entries and 21 cashed. And this is towards the end of day one. We were stopping at the end of this level. And average stack at this point was probably like, 130 or 140,000, about 35 remaining. And I have 100,000. Blind level is 2.5K, 5K with a $500 ante, so kind of a small ante uh, for this tournament. There were a lot of 1.6 ante levels. Trying to think of what other important information I can give you. So at this stack size... I'm doing a mixed strategy pre-flop of shoving and opening to 2x. Like, for example, I I would always just, like, shove hands like ace-king, ace-queen, middling pairs. And I'm opening some other hands, like my some more nutted hands and some, like, suited broadways that flop well. That you would fold to a shove with? Yeah, that I would fold to a shove. Okay, um, cool. And, I mean, and, obviously, depending on the stack size and the blinds, I might just shove. But yeah, uh, I do have some some openings at this stack size that aren't just a jam. Uh, when I get down to like fifteen big blinds, I'm just either shoving or folding. But this this hand, I'm actually in the big blind, and so I'm definitely going to have a calling range out of the big blind to a likely min open. Any thoughts on that general strategy approach? I think the strategy seems good and is likely, you know, going to be very effective against the field in a 580. I think, you know, it's a it's a bit too exploitative to kind of have the the split strategy when you start to get into tougher fields or even maybe fields where there's some very good players that are going to be kind of aware of what you're doing after observing for a little bit. But I also think that I think this is a good strategy even in a tougher field, like. Well, I think the main event's a bad example, but in in like the tougher field, toughest field you might play during the summer, this would be a good strategy to do for like 
whatever the first at least orbit or two orbits at this stack size and then you might want to just switch to an all shoving strategy so you have uh you know more fold equity when you need it Mm -hmm. i think that's that's reasonable i actually don't think this is a highly exploitable uh, strategy at these stack depths i sort of picked it up from some one-on-one coaches i like who are using a similar strategy yeah i mean i'm with the shoving range you know the hands that like that performs probably against are just never folding anyway so i don't think i benefit a ton from like the additional protection i get of opening the smaller size the main issue is like getting too many folds when i have hands like cases and kings with the smaller size but that's not a huge issue since i'll also have some hands that are functioning more like bluffs so i mean i think it's worth considering how that could not work out optimally but i feel like between the fact that the sample is going to be pretty small for everyone reading me and uh, it's not an easy strategy to exploit in the, in the first place i'm pretty comfortable with it but it's sort of relevant to this hand so let's get into get into this one so i'm in the big blind again two and a half k small blind 5k big blind 500 anti we're either eight or nine handed i honestly can't remember doesn't seem too relevant Folds a cutoff who min opens to 10k, and I'm in the big blind with ace nine offsuit. I think we have just a very clear call. Yeah, that was my feeling too. I think like it's not insane to consider shoving, but, but I think I'll just be able to proceed much more profitably through a call, and I don't think it's particularly close. So yes, I call. And so we have so we have like 27k in the pot roughly. Flop is jack 76 with a jack in the 6 of hearts and I have ace 9 with the ace of hearts. Ace high back doors. Let's go. I know. So I check and villain bets 12k. And so to recap, I started the hand with 100k and now I have 90k. So any thoughts here? As long as we don't fold, I think both options are reasonable. I think given that this is probably a pretty soft field, I'd rather take the lower lower variance route and call. But just talking through, I think a raise could be reasonable here. Uh, What's the profile type on this this villain? Good question. This is a middle-aged guy who seems to be playing well. So just based on his age... I'd be a little surprised if he were a professional, but he seems like a good amateur player who's not making very many like huge mistakes. Okay. It's probably someone who values his tournament life a little too highly, I think would be a good assumption. Yes. Another important detail that I neglected to uh, give is that this player has me covered. He probably has about 200,000. So I can't necessarily threaten his tournament life. Yeah. Uh, he could call, or I could double up through him, and he would still be in fairly good position to cash. Yeah. So and I, I'm, at this point, in decent position to cash, I would say, but it's not a certainty. You know, I'm probably not in cashing position if you order the stacks. But yeah. in these fields, I should have a good chance of cashing if I just, for example, folded here. 
Yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm pretty convinced now with that additional information, it's definitely a call. But just kind of talking through a raise, I think it's an interesting spot to raise because you could really exercise leverage on the turn where basically I think your, your check raise here is going to get through a decent amount. And then when it doesn't, you'll have fold equity on the, on the turn. I like that, but I think a call is best, and uh, it is what I decided to do. And I, I, we, we agree that a call is best. I like your point in terms of like we can leverage now, but I think given stack sizes and my ability to probably get to the money in a, at a high percentage, even if I call this bet in full turn, I'd prefer to call and then check shove on an eight or a heart. And then obviously an ace or a nine are reasonably good cards for me to just continue through a call. So that's the plan. I call. Yeah, so I think that's a that's a good plan. And I think by having that check shove option, it allows you to exercise le- leverage on the turn, but with risking less on the flop. So I think they both have their trade-offs. If you were to have some type of like live tell that this guy was weak, then I think it starts to shift more towards a check raise and then exercise leverage on the turn but you know if if he bets twice and you check shove i think that's a good option too mm-hmm. the nice thing about these deaths is like my turn check shove can include a lot of jacks it's not like cash where i'm really only check shoving like two pair plus hands for value you know because we're playing 20 bigs so i can definitely just be check shoving jacks and stuff for value with how short stacks are. Now, I would obviously flat some of my jacks, but I think check shoving some of my stronger jacks would be a good strategy. Along with other... Oh, and I'll also have... you know If I have a set here, I'm not just like ripping it. Yeah. I mean, I probably would have ripped it. No, that's not true. I wouldn't rip sixes or sevens pre-flop. Maybe like eights, nines. Yeah, but those are less relevant now. So, I proceed through a call, um, and the turn is an offsuit three. I check, and my opponent checks back, not with any sort of obvious timing tell or physical tell, but still the check back is significant. It makes me think that he's fairly capped here, since if he if he has a very strong hand, he can't expect me to bet the river so, so often, such that, like... You know, it just it would be a strange way to play a value hand, given that stacks are still fairly deep. We then the effective stack is seventy eight k, and there's about fifty one k in the pot. And so, with like tournament likely tournament sizings, in order for him to get stacks in with like his overpairs and jacks, I think he would very often choose to just continue through a bet. Not to mention that I'm the big blind and I'm going to have a, a lot of weak bluff catcher hands that peeled the flop once and maybe don't plan to stack off. So I expect his range is mostly just like showdown value hands and then other just kind of give ups. So hands, I'd, I wouldn't be surprised to see him play like this. Ace 10, ace queen, ace king, even like some wheel aces, like I could imagine ace three, ace deuce, ace four, ace five, all playing like this. Obviously not in hearts, but none of those are in hearts because I have the ace of hearts. Pairs like deuces, 
fours, fives, eights. Yeah, nines and tens, I think, make as a better bet than a check. But, like, that's the type of mistake that I could see a player of this profile making. Yeah. So, yeah, I I think I'm behind most of the range. But, yeah, I, I think it also lacks most of the top-end hands. An important question so the, I'll just give the I'll go, go to the river right away because basically the question on the river is do I bluff or not? And an important concern there is how many queens does he have? So the, the river is a queen, which isn't a great card for me. Seems like one of the worst. It's just in that like yeah. He now just has I think a a lot of one pair hands and ace highs that beat you. Is like the majority of his range. Yeah, so I'm. I don't think I check and win very often here at all, and I think that it's a good enough card for him that like if I if he did have some hands that beat me, like a king ten, ten nine suited, worse ace x, I think he could consider bluffing this card, and I obviously can't bluff Kench. Yeah. So. Yeah, it's not a great card, but. I do think this is the type of player who would fold a good percentage of his range uh, to a bet here, even even a small bet. Like I think an important question here is like, what would I do if I had a hand like Jack Ten? Well, you mean? I mean, I think the more important question is just what does he do with his range to whatever bet size you're considering? Like, what are what are we bluff targeting here? Pairs. So I still think we have. I think we have some very clear bluff targets. Ace king, ace ten, other ace nine, even ace eight suited. Like a lot of these. I mean, here's the thing: he has a lot of ace x that I either lose to or I would expect him to bluff at some frequency. And I think he's not calling without a pair here. I also think that he's likely to have most pairs like eights, nines, maybe tens. I don't know if I could get those to fold, but deuces. Fours, fives, are hands I could I expect to fold, and he doesn't have, he has somewhere between not very much and like a good amount of queen x, and that's kind of, it's not a question we're necessarily going to be able to answer, but I think this bet becomes a lot better if I expect him to double barrel queen ten and king queen as a bluff. Given this player profile, I think king queen would double barrel. It's like a very good hand to double barrel with two overcards to the jack. Yeah. I did call out of the big blind, and so like I have, I think everyone, a player at his level understands that like I'm defending the big blind really wide, and I'm going to have like a big turn folding range. So I think it's pretty reasonable for me to discount his king queen significantly, and maybe his queen ten somewhat. I think he's very likely to have ace queen, but it's not enough to stop me from bluffing here, especially with my ace blocker. Yeah, I think trying to fold out better ace highs with a small bet, I think, is pretty reasonable. I think trying to get... I just don't think he's a lot of, like, not good pairs that he's going to be willing to fold here. Yeah, it's hard to say. Well, what are the smaller pairs you think he gets to the river this way as played? I think he could have 6x, ace 6, 6-5, six, 6-8, six, some 7x perhaps. I don't think... Those hands are extraordinarily likely to fold because they have some 
blocker capability. But other pairs, I think he would likely get to this point with eights, fives, fours, and deuces. And that's like a significant number of combos. So like to get some to get some combinatorics in the mix, he's got like twelve ace king, maybe twelve ace ten, the very least three ace ten. But I think like from the cutoff he would open all ace ten. So like twelve ace ten, twelve ace king, maybe maybe nine ace nine, or at least two ace nine, two ace or three ace eights. Pseudo wheel aces, so there's like nine combos of those. Three combos of a six, two combos of a seven, and and you think he he gets? I don't gets think you necessarily hold a six. Uh I mean, no, not necessarily all of them. Yeah. Um, but cons- consider the fact also that like none of them have a flush draw, and none of them like picked up backdoor flush equity. So, I think we could discount them to a to a degree, but I think like a lot of a high would give up here yeah no i think i think having a bluff targeting range of ace highs is really good and i think this is a player profile that like especially at this stage in the tournament like even if getting a really good price is going to fold his ace highs right like so i i think i think something like a quarter-ish pot bet is going to work enough of the time against that type of target to be profitable i think where we run into trouble is if you make a bigger bet to try to fold out, I think, these smaller pairs, which I'm not convinced will necessarily fold, and also that I just think make up a relatively small portion of his range relative to pairs that are never folding in ace highs that will fold to a smaller bet. Mm-hmm. Well, how many pairs that are never folding do you think he has? Do some combinatorics. So he, you know, like say, say all the over nine. pairs, right? Or maybe not all the overpairs as played. No, 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 no. Yeah. I think very few of the overpairs. Yeah, okay. I see what you're saying, okay. Yeah, so as played, I think I wasn't discounting enough of the the good one-pair hands that are never folding. There's a lot of those hands bet. Mm-hmm. You could very easily have like 25 combos of Queen X, which probably just shove. Maybe not, but they, did, they for sure don't fold, so... And and to recap, I think we came up with like something like forty combos of possible ace high, and I guess pairs worse than the six. He's got eighteen combos, so there's a lot of hands he could potentially fold. The other thing is that his queen x and his ace highs correlate in the sense that like I think as he bluffs more with his ace highs, he bluffs more with his queen x hands. So like if he's double barreling with like ace deuce, ace four, ace five. Oh, and we forgot about ace three, which no hand potentially fold. Anyway, as he folds more of those hands sorry, as he gives up with more of those hands on the turn, he gives up with more ace queens, king queens, queen tens. And as he bluffs more of them, I think he bluffs with those hands as well. Especially the queen ten and King Queen. So yeah, I think I feel pretty good about my line. I decided to bet twenty thousand into fifty one thousand. It's a bet that makes it hard for me to get folds from the sort of middling pair type hands like six x, seven x, eights, nines, tens. Mm-hmm. But I think I get enough folds from ace highs and 
pairs worse than a six, that the bet works out. It's a value bet I would definitely make with a jack. Like a block, it's a block bet I could consider making with like a lot of my range, mm-hmm. expecting that like as an exploit, thinking that this guy wouldn't necessarily shove on me that often as a buff. Yeah, I think that's really going to happen. Yeah, I mean, it strikes me as a little bit big to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish. Well, but, but I also understand if I go the logic. too much smaller, if I, I go too say, much smaller, I, I think lo- like he just auto calls with his king. You know, I was like, gonna I say, can't, I can't I'd, go I'd rather go. Well. I'd rather go a little bit bigger when you're in like a new spot in a tournament than go a little bit on the smaller side. For for me, like I feel like fifteen or sixteen would be the size I'd want to use to like maximally target these ace highs. But you know, we're we're nitpicking here. Yeah. Uh, no, it's interesting. I mean, I think 15k is worth considering. I also think a little bit bigger is worth considering, just given how many possible folds he has. Like if 30k just gets way more folds than 20k, then it's definitely worth it. But yeah, I bet 20k and feeling tanked for a long time and then called with eights, uh, which is not a hand I was necessarily expecting him to fold. I don't think it's a great call because it does block like a lot of my hands that would have – it blocks a lot of my misdraws that are kind of like mandatory-looking bluffs here. Like I think a7 is a much better call than eights. But yeah, that's – I mean that's okay. I I think it was still a reasonable call for him. And it's not necessarily one of the hands I needed to get to fold for the bluff to show a profit. But yeah. I lost. It seems to be a theme, man, making like good bluffs and then villain like tanks with a hand that you were never intending on getting them to fold. Yeah, it's been happening to me a lot. It's kind of weird. It it really doesn't it is it's very reaffirming. It's sort of reaffirming as long as they have the hands I thought they were going to fold in the first place. You know, I uh, I think oh, in this yeah. situation I feel very good about him having other hands that would fold in situations where like you know i'm ripping it to get like ace king ace queen to fold in like a three bet pot and then they tank fold or tank call jacks it's like well i think that proves that i had the fold equity versus ace king ace queen which is all i needed to fold as long as those three bet in addition to jackson i think in a lot of these two five vegas games i'm just overestimating how often people are choosing to three bet with hands like that let alone worse hands even in the even in the 510 games honestly like i think so many players just three bet like jacks plus basically sometimes ace king that my strategy against three bets on later streets is pretty flawed at least in terms of how much I could be exploiting them for having too strong of a range. But it's hard to it's hard to say for sure since I have a growing sample in Vegas, but it's still not very big. Yeah. Anyway, since I know people are going to be curious about what happened, I ended up finishing very near the bubble. I had an interesting ICM spot where I made a shove that I kind of regret now, but I made it because there was a dead big blind and I was shoving over the Big stacks open with about uh, eight big blinds holding pocket eights near the bubble. 
the reason I regret it is because I just think I underestimated how soft these fields are and how likely I could I was to finish the money, even with one of the shortest stacks in the tournament. Uh, looking around the field, it seemed like somewhat pro-dense, but I'm newer to tournaments, so I think I'm giving the pros too much credit, which I've learned not to do uh, in cash. And I think I should just basically extend the same reasoning to the pros in these live tournaments, especially in like the 500 to 1500 buy-in range. Cool, man. So yeah, uh, look forward to getting another shot in Florida. If anyone's going to be down there, definitely give me a shout. Uh, you can reach me through our Twitter account, uh, at Just Hands Poker. Yeah, thanks, Zach, and I'll talk to you soon.